Hello, and welcome to the Steph Gordon Show podcast. This podcast dives deep into all things business, money, and mindset to have you feeling lit up, motivated as heck, and ready to step it up like the girl boss you are. On today's episode, guys, I am joined by the incredible Ellie Swift, a mindset and marketing coach for high-performing women who are ready to build heart-driven, intentional, and abundant online businesses. Ellie has spent decade working in marketing in London and Sydney and also in Perth, achieving her goal of head marketing strategy by the age of 28 before making the transition into her business. Since then, she has gone on to build a million dollar business in just three years and has supported her clients as they've created six and multi five figure launches, tripled their income and completely transformed their businesses and lives through both mindset and marketing. Ellie was also my first coach and has helped me do the same. In this episode, Ellie and I chat hashtag real talk about money, what it really took to build our million dollar businesses, whether having more money has actually changed our lives and the money stories we've had to overcome along the way. We talk about how deep down money didn't make us any happier. So we are so excited to share this episode with you guys. If you hear something that resonates, it would mean the absolute world to me to know you're listening and getting value. So please screenshot this app and tag me on Instagram at Steph Gordon underscore underscore. Let's dive in. Hello. Hello, Ellie. I'm so excited to have you here today. Me too. Oh my God. So excited. I've been so looking forward to this conversation. So have I. And we were already just having a little conversation off air a couple of minutes ago. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so juicy. (laughs) So I'm already like 10 times excited for this conversation. Now, obviously, I'm really pumped to have this conversation with you because for those of you who don't know, Ellie was one of my first ever business coaches. And so having you sit here and to have this conversation with you today feels like such a privilege. And also just feeling so honored to have had you as part of of my journey in business. But for those of you who don't know who you are, do you want to tell us a little bit about who is Ellie and what do you do? How do you help people? So good. So I feel like the question of who is Ellie is such a like holistic one. So I'll start with the business first and then play outside of those lines as well. So uh, I'm a marketing mindset coach. I support incredible coaches, creatives, and consultants to build thriving, abundant, solid businesses. I predominantly work with my clients through my two mastermind experiences. Um, Over the last four years, I've helped hundreds of women to build six-figure, multi-six and seven-figure businesses. And then the Ellie outside of that is a wife and it's still fun saying that. Oh, so new. (laughs) about weddings before. Uh, So I'm a wife. I'm also a new dog mama, which is so fun and taking up a lot of my life right now. And, uh, you know, a friend, a human who's sort of in a season of my life where I'm getting to explore what balance in my life looks like for me. And um, yeah, so many things. Would you call yourself, I've been kind of toying with this lately as well, like a recovering hustler. (laughs) Totally. totally. I think that's such a great way of looking at it because, you know, and and I did a podcast episode on this recently where I've recently gone down to a 17-hour work week and the challenges that I've experienced in doing that have been far greater than challenges that you would think are harder, like, you know, building and making money and winning clients, like reducing on the other side. And I know that hearing things like that can be annoying or even a little bit triggering when you're, you're building out your business. But for anyone who's got any like hustle energy or who uses overworking as a strategy for getting ahead, you will so hear us on this that 
like doing the other side of reducing is challenging. Like I had conversations of what are my hobbies? Like who am I outside of work? And so it just felt really fun to answer that question then as who is Ellie? Because I don't associate me with just my work right now. Mm, It's so funny. Um, On my intro podcast, I actually said the same thing. I was like, who is Steph? And I was like, I went through everything else before I went through business coach for exactly the same reason. I feel like you come into a new level of business where you just don't want to be associated only with what you do because it's just, we are also, you know, multifaceted. So tell me, 17 hour work week, what does the day in the life of Ellie look like then? Yes. So, oh, it's fun, especially right now being summer. So I, I'm woken up at about five o'clock in the morning by my three month old puppy right now. <laughs> Every day is different. So I'll just give you a snippet into like one day right now. We usually put her on the bed and then sleep for an extra like 30 minutes, get up, feed her, take her for a walk. So we live in beautiful South Rio and um, we get out and go for a walk. I usually have a swim in the ocean, which is really my like kickoff for the day. Mm. I love the morning. I love a morning routine. So getting that time is really important to me. We'll come home, have brekkie. My husband and I usually will we'll kind of have a brief of like what we have ahead for the day. I might do a really small meditation and then get dressed. And I'm usually at my desk working in the morning because that's kind of my time. I find that I'm way more productive in the mornings. So usually at my desk around about nine o'clock, I might have a coaching call or two, and then I'll do a couple of hours of other work. So maybe it's like content creation or something else. I'm doing around about four hours a day at the Mm -hmm. moment. Oftentimes outside of that, I'm responding to clients over and above that. So that might be like four hours at my desk. Then I switch off, maybe go for another swim, reply to my clients, cuddle my puppy again. We have had a lot of family time lately. So it might involve going to cuddle my niece who you know lives a couple of streets away from me, cook dinner, which let's be honest, I really cook. Yeah. <laughs> um, just throw that in there. Eat dinner. Eat, eat dinner. Eat, like, I have eat. my meals prepared for me and then I eat them. <laughs> That's basically what happens every day, I guess. And then either go out for a drink with friends or cook at home and, and stay in. I'm in bed by nine o'clock, mm. reading something amazing. My afternoons also involve a lot of like reading, learning, very much identify as being someone who's a lifelong learner. So constantly got my head in a book. But, you know, it's a really interesting question because you're asking me this in a season where mm. that's the first time I've answered it in that way. I yeah. would have previously said, and then I sit at my desk and I work till 5pm. And so this is just a very different season for me. And I guess I keep reiterating that and highlighting, bolding, underlining that because it's a season that wouldn't have been possible for me in years prior, or it would have been, but things would look a lot different. And so... Totally really honoring my past self for the hours I've devoted to my business to build it to where it is and also just loving this season right now of, of working less. A hundred percent. And I was actually just going to reiterate that for anyone listening that hadn't spoken to you or hasn't been part of your journey up until now. Obviously, I've known you for five odd years. And I was going to say, I know that this sounds like a magic life. And you guys might be thinking, whoa, this chick has got it dialed in. But for those of you who are sitting there thinking that, yeah, this is a season and Ellie's worked incredibly Right. It has not always looked yeah. like this. It has not really. always looked like this. hundred percent. And this is the thing. It's like hard work has gotten me here, mm-hmm. you know? And I say this so often to, you know, have these conversations with my clients. I'm sure you do too. It's like, while we may not want to be in that like stressy hustle energy, it's like, 
doing the work is so important to build the businesses that we want to create. And so there have been many long hours that have been joyful for me because it's been a choice. It's been like a conscious trade-off. And that that might be those seasons again as well. Mm, You know, looking at what I'm planning next year, I'm like, there'll probably be a little bit more of that again. But right now, this is really good. Yeah. I mean, I still call them periods of hustle and sometimes you're in them and sometimes you're not. And when you're not, it's just the ebbs and flows of life and business and you just have to ride it when you're in it and nothing is forever. So tell me, what did you do to make your first dollar as an entrepreneur? How, where did your entrepreneurial journey start? I could answer this in like three different ways, I reckon. Maybe I will. So my first ever entrepreneurial dollar, and I don't think you know this, is when I was in uni, I... <laughs> When I was in uni, I wanted to earn some extra money and didn't really know how. And I remember a woman that I worked with at the time was like really into Tupperware and doing these Tupperware parties. And I was like, do you know what? There is so a niche here with uni students like me who, if you have Tupperware, you can cook the same thing and eat it for like five nights in a row and it stays really fresh. And so I sold to fellow uni students and I made like five grand in a month and it was the fastest, easiest cash I've ever made. Then I got bored and I stopped doing it. But that was the first entrepreneurial money I ever made was being a uni Tupperware consultant. Did you have Tupperware parties? I had a couple. Yeah. (laughs) With like uni students. So good. Way more fun. Tupperware parties with uni students would have been a vibe though. Yeah. So much more fun. And was very convincing in my like, you know, this is just going to be far more effective for you. If you buy a couple of these, it's going to be cheaper. Worked out all the costs of how much cheaper it was going to be for them to eat the same meal over a few different nights and keep it fresh. All those things. Just so funny looking back and thinking about that. That is hilarious. Do you always know that you were going to one day run your own business? I've had an inkling. So my parents were both business owners. So grew up in a family-owned business household. And that came with it like some some real benefits of seeing the possibility for them. I remember there being years where they brought in over six figures in profit and that being like really, really phenomenal for them. And I also saw so many of the hardships of running your own business, especially in that time where it was trade-owned businesses. And my dad says to me now, he's like, I wish that there were mentors and consultants that Mm. could have supported us the way that they do now. But that was very much part of my subconscious programming. And so I had an inkling. And and in addition to that, my family joke about the fact that I really hate being told what to do. And so there's always just been this really innate thing of like, don't tell me what to do. Like I'm going to do it my own way. And as someone who likes to think I'm pretty kind as a human, it's really funny that I've got this really strong, like, don't fucking tell me what to do. Oh, can I swear? <laughs> Absolutely. You can <laughs> swear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so good. I'm glad. Don't tell me what to do. So I'm yeah. You're like, I'll just swear more. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always kind of had that. So there was that, I think I will be in entrepreneurship. It always felt very natural that I would do that because I then went on to do other things. So I Worked in music publicity throughout uni. In terms of my now business, my first dollar I made there, I I did it through life coaching. So I was doing life coaching on the side initially and I had a few different life coaching clients. But then when I started my business full-time, I earned my first dollar through doing done-for-you marketing work. And the reason why I think it's useful to share those different things is that so many people who I coach and support and work with who are starting out as coaches, for example, and I know you have a lot of coaches in your community as well, it can be really easy to look at other coaches and go, oh, they just started coaching and like that was the easy road in and they just built from there. But a lot of the time, done-for-you services are a part of like building your expertise and that was certainly part of my journey. So yeah, there's like those three ways that I, I can love answer that. that essentially. 
I love that because I also think, and I see it a lot with clients too, and I'm sure you do, often we try to perfect the first idea that we have or the first business concept that we have. And we're like, this is going to be it. And so it has to be right. And I have to be able to do this forever. And it has to be scalable. And we almost put so much pressure on the first thing. And I mean, from what I'm hearing, there have been multiple businesses before you know where you're at right now in the you know, marketing and business coaching space. Or really, it's a collaboration of all of the things that you've learned over the years, because I know you do a lot of mindset as well. And it's funny because I, I do think, you know, and as you know, and and probably all our listeners know as well, this was not my first business either. And so, you know, you just got to kind of start with the right next step instead of trying to get it perfect from the get go. Just start with what feels good right now and makes sense right now. It is easeful, the easiest path, the path of least friction, I think, to get started. Definitely. I think that we can get lost in our visions. So knowing what we want to create, seeing what we want to create, and especially with the ability to see so many people's lives through social media, it can be really easy to look at the dream and go, I want to build and create that. And then so often what I see is clients who go, I want to build and create that, but then they don't know what that looks like right now. They don't know what the next step is and they get lost in the big vision. Whereas like you say, if you're setting this vision, but then you have the ability to detach from that, trusting the process, continuing to have that manifestation in mind, but not being so rigid and and rock solid in it looking one way, you're far more likely for things to grow and flourish and to be met with opportunities that are really going to support you in your venture forward. And you know, sometimes the vision that you wanted is the thing that is created. That's certainly been true for me. But then I have a lot of clients who are like, oh, this is far better than the vision that I even <laughs> thought. So I think being really open to the journey and, and just enjoying that process is going to make it so much easier for you to create the success you want to create because otherwise you're fighting. The way that I look at it is it's always a co-creation between you and the universe. And if you're fighting the universe trying to support you on that, you're probably going to come up against more hardships than you need mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. And and we know that the only reason that any businesses really fail is not because they're bad ideas or because they're bad businesses or even because they're bad operators, but more often not just because it's too hard. And if you're in business and you're listening you know, you would have experienced that feeling. And Ellie, I know that you 100% would have felt this, or I hope so anyway. Over the years of being like, of fantasizing about day jobs, of thinking to yourself like, oh my God, this business is so hard because it is really hard at times. And it is a really big self-development journey as well. It's really confronting to have to look at your flaws and your, not flaws, but your the weaknesses and the things that maybe you're not as strong at over and over and over again and, and really have them brought up to the surface. And I just think that, you know, if you can roll with the punches, you're going to have less friction. It's going to be less likely that you're going to hit so many hard moments and have the urge to quit. Yeah, totally. Could not agree with you more. So this podcast, I want to talk about something that's a little bit taboo and that I think a lot of people aren't talking about enough in our industry and especially women in business often don't like talking about it and that is money. And so Ellie and I are both very fortunate enough and worked really hard as well to grow uh, seven-figure businesses, which is amazing. And I'm celebrating us so hard for this. (laughs) But I want to talk about the realities of what seven figures actually looks like as a business, um, what it feels like, what it's changed in our world. But where I'm going to start with this conversation is what was your first financial goal? So when you started in your own business, what was the first milestone that you set for yourself? Because it probably, I don't know, maybe it was seven figures, but what was the first milestone? 
The first milestone I think was like five grand. I actually, I struggle to remember, but yeah, actually it was five grand because I knew that I wanted to, and it was for a piece of consulting work because I knew that I wanted to fund a life coaching training course. So it was five grand initially. And then it was the same as my corporate salary, which was a hundred K. And that was something that I did gratefully in the first year of my business. And then from there, I've never really had a million as a goal until Mm. the start of this year. It was the business kept growing organically. And as you know, Che, my husband reminds me of this so often, his theory, he's like, the reason why I believe that you've been successful and I believe this is true for you as well, Steph, if I can say this from the lens of knowing you as I do, is because money was never the first priority. Mm -hmm. Like serving my people and creating something really incredible and, you know, just know that you're so with me on this. That's been the first priority. And also like building a life for myself in the process, but not necessarily creating a million dollar business. Where that shifted was this year, it got to the point where I was like, oh, I can do this. So why don't I like go after that? And it just became fun to play with. And so that led to this being the goal and being the reality. But even so, it's not like I've had wins that have felt more exciting. Mm. You know, I've had wins that have felt more exciting than this client wins. And the first time I launched an online course and I made just shy of $10,000 because I realized that if I could do that, I could repeat that process again and again and again and again. And I think that I built up all this evidence where when I hit the mill, I was like, of course I can. Of course I can do that. I know I can do 10 million as well if I want to, because I've built the evidence to know that this is the process that I can create and the thing that I can do. But I really wish... It's a little bit like the start of a new relationship where you've got Mm -hmm. all these firsts. If I could go back to myself in my first year of business, I really would have savored those initial wins more. Like the first 10K launch, the first 10K month, the first six-figure year, really, really relished and savored those because the joy that you experience from all of that absolutely keeps going because it compounds. But there's something really special about building that initial evidence that you can do it. Absolutely. And because in those moments at the beginning, you don't know if you can. Yeah. And so, because you've never proven to yourself, like you said, it's evidence. You've never proven to yourself that you can hit a $10,000 a month or that you can do a 10K launch. And so when you do, you know, the first sale you make, the, oh, like the tears of joy, the honor of being able to support people. It's not even about the money. It's about the fact that you proved that you could to yourself. And there was a deep knowing you already knew that it was possible for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have gone after it. And for every single woman listening right now, you wouldn't be going after it if you didn't already know that it was possible. But there is just so many curtains of doubt and conditioning and cultural conditioning that are layered in front of us along the way that make it feel impossible. Because when you're in business, you are going against the grain of society. And I resonate so much with what you were saying before. You kind of have to be a bit of an outlier and a bit of a rule breaker and not really like being told what to do because... It is such a different path and everybody is going to question you, you know, in your, in your real world or in your initial world on going on that path. And so I think those initial wins are just so powerful because you're so shocked and, and awe that you are able to, whereas you're right. Once you build that evidence up, getting to the million is just the next step in the rung of steps that you might want to take or that you might try to take. But you know deep down that, you know, it's totally easily possible for you. Yes, it's so true. And your problems don't go away 
when you reach this new level. And I think that I thought this a little bit. So I think this is, is really fun to talk to or as an extension of that is when you earn the seven figures or the multi six figures or whatever, yes, there is absolutely a level of privilege that comes with earning that money. Don't get Steph or I wrong. Like, you know, there's privilege, there's opportunities that I know you and I have now that both of us didn't grow up with that. And mm-hmm. so I know that there's like deep gratitude for us both around having created that. And you know, for me, and I'd love to know for you too, I've never been more misunderstood. Mm. I've never had more projections mm-hmm. than this year. I've never experienced more backlash or hurtful comments said about me or criticism or critique and you know all of those things and that's of course alongside like I've never had more client wins than ever and I've mm-hmm. never had more of you know amazing client experiences but when you're holding this amount of people and you're holding you know money at this level and all of those things there's a lot that comes with that and so mm-hmm. there is a lot of joy and rosiness to having that seven figure business and there's a lot that we're holding and that we're navigating to make it happen. And I think that it's really interesting when people don't always see what's going on in the arena. Totally. And I mean, there's light and dark, you know, shadow and light in every scenario in business, in life, you know. And I always say to the girls in my programs, I'm always like, don't put someone who's ahead of you on a pedestal because they're going through it. It's just a different set of problems, you know. And one of the coaches in my mastermind coined the phrase, at every level is a new devil. And I yep. loved that because I was just like, it is 100% the truth. Like it doesn't get easier. In fact, the responsibility is much higher because you, like you said, you're holding so many more people. So what I want to debunk and really talk to is something that you mentioned just before around feeling more misunderstood because mm. I've definitely experienced that myself. And I think Not only that, I think from an internal point of view for myself, I misunderstood myself as well because I think that, and I don't know if this is true for you and I'd love to know, as you step into being you with excess amounts of finance, it is kind of almost so different because for you as well, we didn't grow up with that amount of finance just hanging about where we could go and buy the nice sofa or the insert thing that we want to go and it's not really a problem anymore to go and buy that stuff. And almost the emotions and the stuff that comes up throughout that process for you as an individual and as a woman and as a business owner, I would love to know, was it simple to adjust to your new financial state? Was it simple to adjust to the mindset of now having and owning a seven-figure business or was it just natural for you because you already embodied it before you stepped into it? Yeah. So... For me, there were a couple of stages, which is really fun. Initially, when I started my business, I didn't really have any money mindset stuff around six figures because I'd earned six figures in my corporate career prior to that. And so I feel like any money mindset stuff I had around you know, having the capacity to hold six figures and earn six figures per year... I'd moved through in the grueling pay rise BS conversations that I'd had prior to starting my business. And so that didn't feel super challenging. Where it started to feel harder for me was when I went after that first year, I think my second year of business, I went up to 350. And that started to get really, really big for me. And and I didn't know what to do with that and started to have all of those stories of like, who am I to earn this? Who am I to hold this? Am I even doing a good enough job? You know, all those stories that start Mm -hmm. to permeate when we're earning more. 
And I had to do a lot of work around receivership and knowing that I was safe to receive it. And a lot of that for me has been around knowing that the more money... like There's a real story for me that I play a lot of the more money I earn, the more people around me thrive. You know, having a team and even just seeing the knock-on effects of the businesses and the suppliers around me and the businesses they've created inadvertently or directly through work we've done together. And of course, then the clients that we support to you know make money in their businesses. And so I had to work through a lot of that from a really practical level around that misunderstood piece. What I went through was a, well, what do I want with my money? Hmm. What do I actually want? What do I want to create? Because we see flashy cars on Instagram and we see people buying these really big houses and we see all of those things. And I want to be really clear that I'm not demonizing that in any way because if that feels like a legit desire for you, that's awesome and amazing. And Mm -hmm. some of those things are for me. But I kind of went through this phase of like, well, if we could have anything we want, what does that look like? Or, you know, not everything we want. I mean, where there's still a lot of growth and outside you know, the difference the between <laughs> one million and like a billion and all of those things. But <laughs> I love that we're speaking in such an expansive mindset though. But I went through this process of like, well, what is it that I actually want here? And I quickly realized that I didn't really want a lot. Mm. So I, I bought a few nice clothes and we, you know, we obviously bought our house that we're in now and like we don't live in a super flash house. We live in a townhouse by the beach in my dream suburb where I walk one minute and I'm on the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I sit in my home every day and I'm like, I don't really want to upgrade this yet because it's it's everything to me. And our family meets here and it's just magic. And you know, maybe that's me still navigating money mindset stuff. Maybe. I don't really think it is. I Mm. think that the season that I'm in is more just knowing that for me, what's really important is having choice and having freedom and having opportunity. We went through a season of looking to upgrade our car and like, do we want to buy a new car right now? And for us, we didn't. Mm. I realized that I don't really get much joy out of having a new car. Working from home, I don't really drive cars that often. And we've looked at you know what we want to do in terms of the next house. And we're like, well, we don't really want to upgrade the house right now. And actually, it feels like a smarter financial decision for us to invest elsewhere right now. And so I think just I've gone through a lot of those you know, on the money side of things. And once again, as you say, this isn't talked about that often. So hopefully you can kind of hear like my full transparency here and that I'm still working a lot of it mm-hmm. out. But what I know based on where I'm at right now is that I don't want for a whole lot Except choice and freedom and for my family to be really happy and know that I've got the means to facilitate that happiness at any time if that were in question. 100%. And I know it's uncomfortable to talk about, especially going on the mic because, you know, this sort of thing is, it is taboo to talk about and women aren't talking about it. And again, we do want to honor how much of an absolute privilege it is to be here. And it's not about, you know, it's really for us to explain to you that having the money probably doesn't actually look the way that you might be fantasizing mm-hmm. that it's going to look or the way that you might be expecting it to look. And I think something you said there was just really making sure that when you do receive the money, whether that's at 350K, whether that's at 250K, for some people it'll be at 100K, whatever that level is for you, that level where you hit financial abundance, where you're like, my bills are covered. I have surplus. I have more than enough surplus, actually, that I feel quite abundant, whatever that level is for you, that you check in with yourself 
on the things that you do start to put your money towards because like you said before, you know, it wasn't important for you to buy new cars. Like you could, but just because you could, it wasn't something that you needed to do. It was something that maybe Instagram sells you, something that the world sells you that if you are earning this much money, you should have this and you should have this and you should have this, but we actually don't need it necessarily. And, And it really comes down to, again, what you want. Like, you know, I have the Porsche, we have the big house on the beach, but we rent it. So full disclosure, like we don't own a house, like we we rent it because we don't know where we want to be or what we want to do. And so I totally am with you on that. And I would, I'd love to talk about something that we kind of spoke about initially before jumping onto this call around, I guess, how has it changed your world? You know, how has being at six figures, if anything, has that changed your world at all? Um, and maybe some of, you know, those misconceptions that have been made about you since being here, I would love to debunk some of those if you feel comfortable. Always. Yep. So here for it. Uh, Has it changed my world? It's definitely made it more expansive for me. You know, that choice piece, I've got the choice to like what we were talking about before the call, hire the wedding planner when, you know, like having my wedding this year, which I know you're doing right now. And just things that I always used to think about there's some sandals that I really want and they're $500. And I'm like, do I really want them $500 enough? And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I think I do. You know, like just being able to do that and go, that's fun. I've never done that before. That's fun. Um, And just having the choice, the opportunity to, for me, you know, this year, I can never talk about this without crying. So I'll try to reel it in. But this year, it was my dad's 70th birthday and I flew him up to go swimming with the whale sharks in the Northwest. And that's been, you know, a bucket list dream of his for his whole life. And it was nothing for me to just fly him up there for four days. You know, that was a $10,000 trip because the Northwest is really expensive in Western <laughs> Australia. Compared to like, you could basically go to Europe with the same price. And so that, you know, just for everyone that can't see me right now, Steph can, I'm totally yeah, crying. I'm absolutely crying. <laughs> it's so sweet. But that, that was everything to me. And you know, not thinking twice when I see somebody who's experiencing financial hardship and I can, you know, contribute to GoFundMe, you know, causes and charities that mean a lot to me. And those things really, really matter to me. So that's been huge. And I think I, you know, as I'm speaking about this, there's a part of me that loves myself more as a person because I really like who I am when I'm generous. Mm-hmm. But it's also a privilege that I've been able to be this generous. Yes. So that's a really interesting kind of dichotomy that's presented itself is like, I've got this opportunity to be more generous right now because I can be because Mm -hmm. of what I've created. So I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but they're the things that have been really amazing and absolutely have transformed our lives in so many ways. And for all of us, I think in my family and in so many ways. So that's been the biggest thing. In terms of misconceptions, I, I think that once again, it's very easy for people to go, oh, it's just kind of easy for you. And, you know, just to speak to the privilege piece again, because I just think this is so important too. You and I are obviously white women who, whilst we didn't grow up with wealth, we grew up in like a very wealthy part of the world and all of those things. And so there's a, a shitload of privilege that you and I have had to kick off our lives. And outside of that, I haven't had a handout since I left home at 16. 
just because that wasn't really the way that we rolled. My parents grew up like that and that was how they raised me, you know. And so everything that I've created, I've created for myself. And I think that there can at times be that like, oh, it's so easy for you. It's like, well, not really. I just have a really positive outlook on life and maybe come across as though it looks really easy. But we're all navigating those things. And so if there's any stories of... And I think that anyone that's listening to this in early stages of business, if I was you right now, I'd potentially be trying to look for reasons in my inner critic of why I couldn't do it. So you might be listening and going, okay, I can hear how Steph and Ellie have done this, but I couldn't do it because of X, Y, or Z. And if you're feeling that way, I would just encourage you to play with those thoughts and like whether they're true or not. And instead going, well, maybe there is potential and expansion opportunity and all of those things. And Steph and I both have so many clients that are examples of that outside of ourselves. And so I think that that's just the the key thing is like knowing that it's so possible for you and also not looking at people who are at this stage of business and assuming that they've got something or it's mm-hmm. been easy or they've had a leg up or whatever, because that's usually not the case. 1000%. Thank you. I like want to applaud you. Like I just, I'm like, oh yeah, say it louder. Say it louder for the people at the back. Hi, gal. Yeah. Because so much of that I want to dig into. The first thing being people who are coming and witnessing you now are not witnessing you during your mm-hmm. first draft. And they're not witnessing you five years ago when it did not look like this and it was not easy. And you were probably doing videos and blogs yep. and things that were awkward and weird and not that well presented or great. 100%. I'm sure you look back at your first, you know, few coaching courses and think, oh my yeah. God, what was I doing? Or like when you watch back the videos, you're like, that is crazy. Like, I can't believe that I was presenting so poorly or I looked like that or I had, you know, I hadn't learned so much, had no level of awareness, whatever it might be. And just reminding people that you're not witnessing our first draft. You're witnessing like, well, probably not even anywhere near our final chapter, but potentially our fifth or sixth or seventh reiteration of that exact same thing. So it's very easy to, and I used to do the same thing, Ellie, like I remember, and um, this always comes back to kind of my original story, which is just around, I didn't think that entrepreneurship or success was for me because people who had that had something special or they had uh, a leg up or they had a rich family member or they knew someone who knew someone who could get them somewhere. And so for me, that's why my entrepreneurial journey didn't start until I was 28 was because that wasn't for me and I couldn't have those things. And it wasn't until I actually started to really question that, why not? Why not me? Why couldn't I learn? Why can't I acquire the skill set that it actually started to almost unravel the belief system that I put into my heart and my soul started to unravel. So if you, like Ellie said, are listening and you're thinking, yeah, well, it's great for these gals, but I couldn't do it. You might not know the how yet, but you can 100% do it if it's something that you wish to have. There's always a way. You just need to find it and you might just not have the how right now. And that's okay. But actually breaking down the belief systems that are there around whether or not it's possible for you. Because I'm assuming at some point, you've, I mean, I'm showing up lots of points. You've gone through phases thinking things are not possible for you and you could not reach financial freedom. And even though you might have believed it in your heart, there would have been the inner critic that would have been telling you that that was not possible for you. Absolutely. Something that has been an anchor for me for my whole journey is that I did have parents who 
really believed in me. And so I take it upon myself with my clients to be that person for my clients of like, hey, I believe that you can do anything here. And I think that outside of that, like that, that's definitely been a belief privilege, perhaps, you know, that I come back to that all the time. But I didn't have evidence around me of anyone else who'd done that. You know, I, the only evidence of creating what I wanted to create was from people that I found on social media that I'd never met before. I didn't know anyone in my immediate world, certainly not in my family who had built anything similar. And so, yes, there's absolutely been those times along the whole journey of, I don't know if I can do this. And for me, as someone who's like a very sacral being, it's just been connecting back to that intuitive niggle of like, there's just more here for you. There's just more here for you. There's just more here for you. Like keep going, keep going, keep going. And I know that that is so synonymous in my clients' community and probably all of you that are listening right now. There's some nudge, some whisper, as you said so beautifully, Steph, like you wouldn't have this vision if it wasn't meant for you. Just really you know, continuing to honor that and trusting that and also not making it wrong when you have seasons where you lose all belief. Like, Mm -hmm. don't make that wrong. Don't spiral in that. Like, it's okay to not believe in yourself for two seconds. Get back up. Let's go. Absolutely. And I mean, that's 100% the reason why I got into coaching too was, I mean, I had parents who believed in me, but they totally did not believe in me when I quit my day job and and started my business. They were like, you're crazy. Go back to work. You're insane. Don't do that. Um, But I was really fortunate that I had Tim. Yeah, And so for the exact same reason that you got into it, I got into it because I was like, I need to be people's Tims because people don't have Tims, you know, and I need to be someone's Tim. And so for me, that was the exact same reason I got started. And I really want to, before we wrap up today, circle back to the fact that you never got into this for the money. And I just want to end on this note today, because if you have got into business to just make cash, Mm -hmm. one, you'll be found out <laughs> probably it's because yep. it's so apparent. Yep. It's okay to want financial freedom, of course, but two, there are easier ways to make money than, than the five. How long have you been in business, Ellie? Like five, six years? Well, more like, I think it's like four. Okay. Five. I, yeah. I don't really know. I need to work yeah. it out for moments like this. <laughs> yeah. You're like, people ask me this question somewhere in the four to five years. And exactly. It's been, I'm sure. Like so many amazing, joyful, incredible, like wondrous moments, highs, but the lows are equally as low as the highs are high. And, you know, in the first few years, the profit that you're earning is probably nowhere near really what you were getting in your day job anyway. And so it's really easy to go back and, you know, just get a job. And so if you're in it for money, I feel like you're in it for the wrong reason. So I just love to elaborate on that conversation before we go any further on and getting your perspective on what you teach around getting into this because of wanting to be of service. And I'd love to hear your riff on this. So good. You're such a good podcast host. I'm so excited for the conversations that you're going to have because you just circled that back so beautifully and love that we're closing out on this. And so just, you know, just thanks. Oh, by the way, guys, this is my first guest podcast. So Ellie's <laughs> popping the cherry. And so it's just so nice. Yay. Um, so thanks for the feedback. Keep going. <laughs> my pleasure. I was like, I'm going to say this on the mic because it's great. Uh, so look, it, you gave me goosebumps when you just said it in that way of, you know, yeah, money is not everything. And it's true. Your why, your mission, your vision needs to be so much more than that because 
people can feel that energetically. If you're not there for them, if you're not there for your clients, if you're not in this to create change, make a difference, transform the lives of your people and the world in some way, then what the hell are you doing? Get out. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. And you're also probably never going to be the best in your field because the people that are the best in their field really genuinely give a fuck. (laughs) And so if that's not you, then don't stick this out. You know, Get into it because you deeply care. And when you deeply care and your why is so much bigger than money, it's actually so much easier. Like the, The irony of wanting to be in it for the cash, the cash will be harder for you if that's your outcome. Whereas if your outcome is to be of deep service and to show up and create change in the world and do amazing work, the money will follow from Mm -hmm. there. A hundred percent. I had goosebumps as well just then. Thank you. I'm not even going to riff on that much more because I think you totally nailed it. And I, I really genuinely encourage you guys to have a big think about your why and have a really big think about why you got into this. Because yes, there are two aspects to your why. Of course, from a personal level, you want some sort of probably freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, whatever that might look like. But as Ellie said, if you're not in this to be of service, it's going to be so much harder for you to get traction because people have really good bullshit radars these days. And I see this with clients that are only, you know, we've had clients over the years, I'm sure you have as well, that have been like, money, 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 money. And and until they switch and you see the switch, I've seen the switch happen with clients before where they switch from being like, you know what, actually, because the money wasn't coming and because it was really frustrating and because it was really difficult. And I was like, why don't you just do something for free? Why don't you just show up and be of service? Why don't you just put this on completely for free and see what comes and the joy that they get and the people that turn up for it and the results and the people who are then begging them to buy from them because they did it to be of service first. Every single time it happens, it happens every single time. So just a really to close this out today, yes, it's great to have money, but realistically, money isn't everything. And really, it's about what you can do and who you can be and how you present in this world and what you can give back. Like giving back, I think Ellie summarized it so beautifully. Being able to be generous is honestly the best part of having the cash, being able to give back to our clients, be able to show up more, being able to spoil them more, to give to charity, to support our families. Like That's the good shit. That's what's made this worth it and the hard work worth it. But I really appreciate your time today, Ellie. You have been absolutely phenomenal as always, and you have always been phenomenal. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about where they can find you? Yes. Thank you so much for this episode. I've loved it. It's such a privilege to be the first guest. And I can't remember if I said this on the mic or not, so I'm going to say it again. I just, just beyond in awe and proud of what you've created and witnessing you in your journey is just one of my absolute favorite things. So thank you for doing the work that you do in the world and inspiring so many and showing up and being of service in this way that we're talking about. The ripple effects of that are huge. I'd love if anyone that's listening and wants to like DM me your favorite thing from this conversation, I always love having a chat. You can find me on Instagram at elliehswift. My website is elliswift.com. And also if you're someone who loves podcasts, which you obviously do because you're here, jump on over to Shine Online with Ellie Swift and you can check out mine as well. Yes, Ellie's podcast is incredible, guys. And thank you for being such an inspiration to me and to literally every single woman that is going to be listening to this. And thank you for being such a big part of my journey. It was so beautiful to do this today. So thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. My personal mission is to help women just like you to grow their business and give you the advice and insights you need to make your business go boom. 
And as part of my commitment to that mission, I have created a mini course called the Boom Your Biz mini course, and I want to offer it to you completely for free. So in this three-part mini course, you're going to learn how to identify and attract the perfect clients that you actually love to work with. You'll learn an easy and effective way to build your core offer and increase the amount of people that actually take you up on that offer and how to generate endless high quality leads absolutely free. Included in this free mini course is exclusive training. I give you templates and processes that you can follow and implement in your business right now to start seeing results straight away. The value of this mini course, guys, is $497, but I'm giving it to you completely for free. So if you're ready to level up and take action, use the link in my show notes to download this mini course. But as always, guys, if something resonated today, it would mean the world to me if you left me a review or shared your biggest takeaway on social media. And be sure to tag me at Steph Gordon underscore underscore. I'll see you next episode.